G'day listeners, welcome to Bar Karate, the sailing podcast. My name is Jordan Spencer and it's that time of the week where I get to hang out with some cool sailors and my two idiot mates. Uh, first up, joining me is my good buddy, Mr. Brett Perry. Greetings, exalted one. Massive day. Oh, no. Your little arms stretched again? No, did nothing. <laughs> you were supposed to be sailing, I'm guessing. No, did absolutely nothing. I woke up this morning and sort of looked out the window and went, nah, nah. cancel, yeah. cancel the day. Yeah, the, the dogs blew past the window and you just yeah. said, yeah. <laughs> Sid, Sydney, was, uh, Sydney was just really turning it on today. No, but uh, had a very relaxing day today, so it's the first one in a long time, so I'm really happy. Uh, good on you. You've been a busy man. Mm. Let's bring in the other bloke. He had a voice that could make a wolverine purr. Mr Nick Boss. Yeah, trick or treat, Halloween, whatever. Oh, that's a <laughs> yeah, right. little bastards. <laughs> 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 had a uh, Halloween party last night. Oh. Isn't it yeah. funny? Like when um, I, I never remember what, doing that as a kid and then now it's just full noise. Like kids are bloody everywhere. What did you dress up as? Um, I dressed up as a tradie. Because I was cleaning my house yesterday, and by the time everyone turned up, I'm still in my bloody lawn mowing outfit. <laughs> Love it. But one thing I did have in preparation for the Variety Club bash that I'm doing with Snowdy, Carlin, and Mido, yeah, yeah. Um, got these little uh, keg backpacks that you fill up with the CO2. I saw the uh, video for yep. gin and tonic. And uh, so I gave that a little trial run last night, and I've got to tell you, bang on point. Yeah, it should be oh, every uh, sailing right. regatta, that thing. I saw the video. <laughs> I think that's it. A... So I'll, I'll give more information after the bash, but we, we're essentially going – our theme is bash disease control. Yeah. Given right. the current world that we live in and essentially the antidote or the vaccine is going to be uh, gin and tonic care um, of kangaroo island spirits. So, it, beautiful. Oh, for yeah, our international guests, the Variety Bash raises a lot of money for a lot of uh, very needy, needy causes. So, um, so it's all for the children, mate. It I, is, mate. I must admit, when I saw that video, boss, of you dispensing that stuff, I did think of sheep drenching. Have you ever done yeah. any sheep drenching? Yeah, yeah. It no, looked, it's, it the looked, same, it's the same trigger almost. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking he's just going to walk around, hold people's necks, just stick it in. Yep. Away he goes. Yep. Yeah. Off you go. Oh, you've, so, lost, you've lost me. You never drenched sheep, BP. No, I've never been near a sheep. Okay, I don't, I'm not a farm person. Oh, okay. Well, the, te- the technique is they come down like a little thing where they get in single file. You reach down, get your hand under them, and just hold the jaw open, and you stick um, like this trigger with a bit of fluid. It, it kills any parasites and, and uh, stomach oh. bugs and stuff. And so you, it's just like a little thing you stick in their mouth and, and squirt. Um, oh, okay. Doesn't hurt them. Well, it's, it's to yeah. help them. So, yeah, good. But, little yeah. medicine. Bit like medicine. the bit like, bit like the gin, gin and tonic. tonic. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's sheep drenching. So there you go. Yeah. That's uh, I th- thank you. I thought every kid grew up doing that. Um, yeah. For our Kiwi listeners, yeah. so you get the doubt on the order. Oh, no, we'll stop. The Kiwis do it similar, but they kiss them first. <laughs> <laughs> you can't talk too loudly, mate. You can't no. talk after last night. You can't talk too loudly. Don't the mention the rugby. Oh, oh, I am. Uh, I'm mentioning it right don't now. Mention the rugby. God, my father-in-law was just on the phone, and I didn't take the call. <laughs> <laughs> hey, biggest ever loss. I mean, come on. Oh, we ran with the young team, and the Kiwis played oh, brilliant. Here we go. Brilliant. Oh, yeah, the yeah, Kiwis. I'm on the show. I'm on the show. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah, good on you. Yeah. All right. Hey, um, we're getting. 
down and very close to the uh, the Vendée Globe. And we're very pumped about that. Um, we're, we sort of uh, want to try and bring everyone up to speed, make sure everyone's in on it. And we're trying to rack our brains as to who could help us most with this. And then we... We thought of a bloke that's a multiple world champion. He's been involved in running Six America's Cups. He's created sailing magazines. He's been part of the Figaro. He's been part of the Vendée, the Omoka class, the Open 60s. Um, pretty much – oh, and the Volvo as well. Just, just to add it. Yeah. yeah. That on top. Um, so – and is a yacht designer and um, I don't know, I think um, – what else? I think he's got a cure for cancer coming. Um, um, <laughs> I, I hear. I hear it's the vaccine. <laughs> the vaccine. Yeah. Um, COVID. Trump, Trump. Trump. He's got him in. <laughs> so man, that's a that's a resume, right? Yeah, there. yeah, yeah. So one of the big who players. Is who is it? Who yeah, is Marcus it? Who Hutchinson. Marcus Hutchinson. One of the big Woo-hoo. players in the world of sailing. Welcome to Barcarati, mate. Hey guys, nice to nice to be with you. And um, that's uh, you need to divide all of that by ten, quite honestly. But uh, <laughs> thanks for the intro. How was that intro? Did you like that? Only point six. Uh, of yeah, America's I'm going to have to play it back and record it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so the point six of the America's Cup was the one that we did with Team Origin. No, no, no. I, I did. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be involved with the cup, but on the organisation side, from the early nineties until the end of the uh, Valencia gig. So. Uh, yeah, nearly 17 years in the in the Challenger movement, which was a fantastic, fantastic experience. So just before we uh, go into depth about you, um, we're going to come back in and tie back into the Vendée. Uh, you're the team manager of uh, Tomariant's uh, linked out Advents team. So we'll just, just put that on the record so that's known, um, which is one of our favourite probably in our top two or three favourite teams um, yeah, yeah. For, for us personally. So, um, yeah, so uh, how did you get into the sport, mate? I grew up in Dublin uh, in the 60s um, alongside a um, – we had a yacht club in the north of Dublin called Hoth Yacht Club and uh, I was a member there. I don't come from a sailing background. And uh, one of my uh, best mates there who I grew up with was a guy called Gordon Maguire, who you may have heard of. Mm. And uh, the two yeah, of us right uh, right let right rip uh, for many years in Dublin and very quickly outgrew the <laughs> Irish yachting scene and uh, moved away. And um, our paths uh, crossed a few times on the way. And uh, he, uh, he and I did a few championships together. And then he went off to concentrate on the ocean race or the Volvo or the Whitbread as it was then. Um, but uh, I, I stuck around. Obviously back then, because we were really old, he and I, uh, yacht racing was an amateur sport in those days. And so you had to have a profession to be able to uh, to make a living out of it. Um, he was just kind of on the cusp of that. Um, I did yacht design and uh, then I, I wrote a lot as well, wrote in Seahorse and then ultimately ended up as the editor of Seahorse in the late 80s. And... Uh, then I went to work on the America's Cup, but I did a lot of racing. I did a, did a lot of Admiral's Cups, a lot of half-ton Cups, one-ton Cups, um, three-quarter-ton Cups, quarter-ton Cups, all, all of that stuff, which was the IOR scene back in the 80s. Um, and um, it was a fantastic time. It was much more international than the racing we do now. And I really, I kind of miss that international really. We had 20 different countries competing and things. Mm. And you can't get that at the Olympics now. Um, but I... I um, uh, Went to work for the America's Cup through Louis Vuitton. So I was based in France. 
but obviously went and lived in San Diego for a long time and Auckland for a long time and stuff like that. And when I was living in France, I um, was missing my sailing and I got involved with uh, some of the um, French uh, offshore sailing guys and uh, was intrigued by the Figaro scene, which is the single-handed one design circuit here in France. Mm. And um, through great good fortune, was invited to do a two-handed event in that class uh, with a certain Michel Desjoyeux in, uh, back in the mid-90s. Uh, no one had ever heard of him then, of course. No. And we, uh, we did this two-handed event and uh, we won it. And it was like, oh, my God, that's a bit weird. Luckily, uh, <laughs> he did all the work. I just steered the, steered the boat. But it was a real eye-opener to me that there's, uh, there's a whole other sport out there, which is, uh, you know, we, we talk about the various disciplines of sailing. But for me, uh, there are three disciplines of sailing, fully crewed, single-handed, and two-handed. And uh, I think more and more as we go forwards, uh, we're seeing that these three disciplines are, for certainly for big boats, are, 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 are more and more distinct and, and more and more easy to identify. Anyway, I, I um, got uh, offered a, a Figaro to, to race in France. I did four seasons of Figaro sailing between, um, between going to uh, America's Cups and stuff. But very much as an enlightened amateur, I wasn't um, there to try and save the world as the greatest solo sailor of all times. But it was more of an intellectual thing to see if I could do it. And then once I realized I could and that it was actually the most rewarding sailing I've ever done in my life, that I wanted to do more. And uh, it's, it's very Moorish, incredible, but it's a hugely egotistical thing and very, uh, you know, it's huge, requires huge commitment because obviously you're pretty much alone. Of course, only alone on the boat, but you're pretty much alone in organizing it and funding it. There's not a lot of people to share it with. Um, and then the, the America's Cup, in Auckland came through and then the America's Cup Jubilee, which I was heavily involved with, and then the America's Cup in Valencia. So I kind of dropped away from it a bit. And then, as we all well know, the America's Cup kind of fell over. Uh, we don't need to go into the details of all of that, but um, <laughs> uh, I went off and did the uh, Volvo Ocean Race um, with uh, Knut. Knut joined in early 08, and uh, I joined him shortly afterwards after having done the um, Team Origin had collapsed at that stage. And after that, um, I started doing um, a bit more Figaro sailing and coaching. And uh, then there was the Artemis Offshore Academy, which was a brilliant mm. initiative set up by Mark Turner and his team in, uh, in the UK. And, and uh, I uh, was invited to be their race manager in, in France. I'm bilingual. I've lived in France a long time, so it was very easy for them. And so I suddenly had under my care a bunch of young uh, young British sailors who were learning their way in, in the offshore sailing world and in the single-handed world and the French world. Some of them were, were very young, were literally out of school or, or whatever. So you were kind of a life coach as much as a sailing coach. Uh, but we did that for several years and it was hugely successful and it spawned the likes of um, your own brilliant talent, Jack Brutel, Sam Goodchild, Alan Roberts, and people like that. They all came from the Artemis Offshore Academy. And anyway, that ran for a while. Unfortunately, the funding ran out after eight years of that. And, uh, but I'd found another calling. Obviously, I'm getting a bit older now. And I really enjoyed that whole um, sharing of experience and, and helping people get the best out of it and, uh, and understanding the complexities of how to work in a foreign country and all of that kind of stuff. But at the end of that, Michel Desjoyeux invited me to, he just signed uh, a new contract with SMA, which is an insurance company here in France for um, a Vendée Globe program. And uh, he was off to do the uh, Volvo Ocean Race uh, with uh, Ike Martinez and those guys. And that was in 15, I think. And uh, anyway, he said, look, I can't do both. Can you take on the Yamaka program? 
And of course, I leapt at it because that was kind of a big deal. And the boat we had was, uh, we just bought Massif, which was a boat that had just won the previous Vendée Globe. So, uh, you know, it was suddenly, uh, you know, amongst the, amongst the top teams and it was a real eye-opener for me and it was a fantastic team and we had a, a great three years, or well, the team had a good four years. They ultimately won the route to rum with that boat, but we had some hor- horrific uh, adventures on the way with... Uh, we almost lost the boat in the North Atlantic in 2015 in a single-handed race where Paul was injured and had to be airlifted off. And then uh, in the Vendée Globe four years ago, unfortunately, in the mid-Pacific, he broke his uh, keel ram and had to divert to Tahiti, which wasn't the most unpleasant place in the world to go and rescue a boat from. But uh, been done before. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, and then when that ended, uh, I got a call from Thomas Rion, who who I knew from the Figaro scene and obviously from the last uh, Vendée Globe to say, look, I'm, I'm starting a new program and, uh, uh, starting from zero, there's one other guy and, and, uh, and me, and, uh, we need somebody to run the program for us. Would you be interested? And so, um, timing was good and, and I moved across and, uh, then, uh, Nick Bice comes into the picture, of course, because he'd already half built a boat for us in Persico and, uh, uh put my hand out and said, we'll have that. And, um, and the rest is history. Well, we're just about done. I'm <laughs> just going to say, just cross all your questions off, boys. We're good to go. So, yeah, right. Um, so no, where, do but, we, where, um, do go, where do we go from the run sheet? Was that a bit long on the answering? Should I, should I keep it short? Oh, no, mate, no, just no. do whatever you do. That's all cool. Well, one thing, uh, not episode 57, we actually had Gordon Maguire on Gorgeous because Gordon. he actually oh, really? makes up our logo. We have um, our original logo was the... Um, what was it called? The in the beck and the cows photo, the silk two when they full bowed yeah, out yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Gordon's hanging off the back. Off the <laughs> so whilst your answer was quite long there, when we asked Gordon to explain that particular situation, he used up forty eight minutes of his one hour. So, um, <laughs> but um, some classic stories out of Gordon and um, and just to I put look in the, up that uh, I better go and look up that yeah, that one. Just to put in the back of your mind, I'm going to ask you toward the end of the show your best Gordon Maguire story because oh. he had some bloody crackers himself yeah. and I reckon yeah. you've got some some beauties as well. <laughs> Look, he's already thinking about it. <laughs> work out whether they, they need to be censored or not. Well, remember. No, 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 no censoring. <laughs> remember, just say whatever you want and if you're unhappy later on, remember, we can fix it up for you. <laughs> it can have anything to do with skateboarding or Sam Fox or anything like that. We need a lot more than an hour to talk about Gordon Maguire. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Classic. Well, um, obviously, there's a fair bit of passion for the sport from you, um, you know, and, and your skill set shows that sort of it's about promoting the sport and actually driving uh, people and creating those opportunities. And um, even to the latest example, uh, we've given quite a bit of love to Pam Lee and Cat Hunt, who yeah. did the. The two lasses went around Ireland doing donuts around Ireland um, faster than any other women. Um, and you were the guy that provided the Figaro for them so that they could do that. So, I mean, is there that sort of altruistic motivation between – and I must admit, I think your wife Megan as well is kind of involved because your management company is VV Resources and you sponsor that trophy as part of the Figaro for the – for the non uh, the non French sailors, I think so. Yeah, is there that yeah. altruistic thing for you at all? Or look, I, it 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 kind of 
as I said right at the beginning, I, the 1980s were an incredible time with the Ton Cups and the Admirals Cup. I remember one Admirals Cup, there were 19 foreign teams racing yeah. in offshore. In one, each boat had each team had three boats, mm. and each boat had to have 100 percent nationals. nationals. And so, mm. can you imagine mm. that? 19 foreign countries. Mm-hmm. You know, we had obviously we had Australians and New Zealanders, but we had Argentinians and Brazilians and Canadians. I mean, it was unheard of. And mm. Even the ton cups were pretty good, but we, we've we've lost that, and uh, but we have an amazing sport, um, and and I I um, you know the little bits that we can do for sure the fast and it's quite interesting, but there's no sort of interaction of the teams before or after it's a one off race and mm. the Volvo is not a national event. Uh, there's very few really truly international. I'm not looking for team events and all of that kind of stuff, but just where there's a big mixing of multinationals and so. With the uh, offshore racing scene, I mean, I love the solo thing and I love the whole pragmatic approach of your, your, you can fix anything, you can sort anything out. The, personally, the most rewarding sailing I've done, as I said, is crossing the finish line of the last leg of, a, of, a, of the figure, a solitary figure or something. is one of the greatest buzzes of my life to, to think that you could achieve that. And these guys that do the Vendée Globe, just to get to the start line is an effort. Mm. To get to the finish line is a massive achievement. The guy who knocks it off, is just in, incredible, mm. you know. It's uh, but uh, so to get back to your question, yeah, I, I um, I, I, I guess it was with the Artemis Offshore Academy. I really understood and realised quite how much value I could give to young sailors in that they could uh, rely on somebody to shortcut them into working out how things happen. And uh, it's very complex, even for young French sailors to get into this scene. Uh, obviously, it's commercial and there's sport and there's logistics and personal management and all the rest of it. But for foreigners to get into it, it's even harder. Um, and so I, I've been, over the last few years, come, become more and more, almost by default, the, the phone number that you call if you're a foreigner and you want to get into this scene a little bit uh, as, a, as an outsider, whether you're a, a rank amateur uh, or, or as somebody who's got a bit of background in racing and wants to try a different discipline. Um, two years ago, we changed the class for the Figaro f- to the Figaro 3. Figaro 2 lasted us 17 years. It was a fantastic boat, but we needed to modernize it. And um, I bought, uh, with my company, we bought two Figaro 3s to use in much the same way as uh, we had for the Artemis Offshore Academy, regrettably. I haven't really found the funding to, to manage that on its own, but hopefully that will come. Um, and so I charter these boats, but I generally charter them and encourage them or make them easy for foreigners to to charter, to come in and do it. And so last year I had uh, Joan Malloy chartered one boat, who, mm-hmm. who you may know, Irish sailor. Um, and uh, then I also had Will Harris from the UK, who's now a replacement skipper for... Uh, for um, uh, Boris Herriman in, in the Amoka. And this year, um, I had um, an American team that uh, chartered the boat for uh, some training uh, in the beginning of the season in France, whilst their own boat, which I, I managed the uh, commissioning of, um, the crowd from Newport, um, Jesse... Jesse Fielding. Jesse Fielding um, and his team. So I, I commissioned their boat for them and uh, got them going. And whilst it was being commissioned, they used one of my boats and then... Joan took it over uh, for a bit, but Joan uh, has had great uh, good fortune this year. She's become a mother, and so she passed her boat over to Kenny Rumble and Pamela Lee uh, mm-hmm. for the 2020 season, which, of course, turned to custard pretty quickly in the piece, as we all know. Um, 
But the thing that motivates me the most is to see quite how enthusiastic they are. As soon as there's a little chance of something, the two of them were like, well, our thing is the, the two-handed offshore thing. We're interested in the Olympic Games. If that all goes ahead, of course, that's on a whole other subject. Um, we really want to do this. And, and uh, you know, from what we hear and from talking to you, Marcus, and to other people, there's no question that the highest level of offshore training or offshore competition is in the figure of one design class. If you've got any motivation at all to to uh, have a crack at the Olympics in 2024 and you're not training in this environment, you're kind of wasting your time in reality. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they came over and they did as much as they could, but there was obviously very little racing this year. So they did a couple, Kenny took, did a couple of um, solo events. They did all the two-handed events together that they could. And I spent a lot, I didn't know them very well, obviously from Ireland, but I, they're from Dublin. I haven't really lived in Ireland for a while. And you, Kenny's dad and I are contemporaries. He's a friend of Gordon's as well. Um, and, uh, I, I said, look guys, you know, what's next? And Pamela, you know, you, she, Pamela's done an awful lot of sailing at different levels and stuff, but just keen as mustard, just so motivated. And I said, right, well, what's the deal? What are we going to do next? Said, oh, I don't know. I can't, I haven't got this. I can't do that. And I said, well, it's all about getting more women out there. It's all about building teams to have competition for the two handed mixed two handed slot, whether you're from Ireland or England or France or America or Australia or wherever we've got to get people out there racing and uh, i said why don't you do a why don't you find another girl and do a crack at the round island record you know that the boats finished you know at the end of the season it's available and all the rest of it and she said oh i can't i haven't got the money to do it or i can't this or i can't that and i said look it's forget this can't business let's remove excuses not to do things there's a boat that's one excuse out of the way now bring me the next excuse that you can't do it and we just kept going through all of these things and well they did it so um you know it's it mm. unfortunately more and more in this world we've got to, it's not that i've funded it i i you know the boat they chartered for the summer the charter season had ended um they still had the boat and i said keep the boat go and do what you need to do with it um and uh, bring it back to me by the way they still haven't brought it back to me and i'm kind of nervous <laughs> because we're we're now in locked lockdown in. here in france <laughs> and uh, they're in lockdown in ireland and uh, it's now early November and uh, the weather's getting pretty bad. I don't want them to run out of luck with uh, what they've done this year. So, uh, but no, anyway, seriously, the, the point is uh, my, my, one of my raison d'etre certainly with the Figaro's is to, is to, is to provide a turnkey solution, obviously commercially, you know, I, I charter the boats, but the boats, when they take them, they've got everything on board. They've got Adrena, they've got the survival suits. It's fully kitted out. It's anything you want. You tell me what decoration you want on the hull. Um, you show up, don't waste your time uh, working out who to hire to fix your boat for your where to get it painted or anything like that. Your job is to go racing. So we put you into this training situation or whatever it is, and uh, you get on with the important part of, of it all. Um, and uh, as we go towards the Olympics, I mean, it won't be the Figaro. I would be highly unlikely to be the Figaro class, but that's it's immaterial what class is used for the Olympic Games. Correct. It's it's about the it's it's not about the platform. It's about the discipline mm-hmm. and the discipline of two handed. Um, mixed offshore racing. Um, it just, there's <clears throat> just no point talking about anything else if you're serious about it. It happens here in France in the Figaro class. And uh, without plugging myself, if you need any help, contact me. Uh, there's a fantastic two handed season next year, by the way, if we're allowed outdoors, of course, but uh, four so two handed events. What, what is the best way to contact you, Marcus, while, while we're on that? <laughs> 
No, no, oh, I've got a, business. I got a Just... link outside. I got a Facebook page, um, and I've got an email address, and uh, I'm I'm reasonably yeah. well known. If again, if somebody can't contact me, it's because they're not trying hard enough, and I don't want to hear yeah. from them. Yeah, Colby. Yeah. Um, just back awesome. back to the girls uh, yeah. who nailed it because we interviewed them two weeks, three weeks ago, just before when they were setting up for it, and then the weather window came. They did it, and now I, I sense you've probably got them on the uh, the morning show circuit within Ireland and the UK um, with you, the com skills. They would have um, nailed it. <laughs> Uh, they were fantastic to have on for the show. And um, although we were a bit afraid on whether they'd get any sleep at all because they could both, both talk quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's the enthusiasm and the energy that we have to capture and bottle yeah, and spread around. It yep. really is. That's it. No, it was um, the, 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 the pathway and the enthusiasm was just, yeah, bubbling. It was, yeah. yeah, really good. So you can definitely tell why they were successful. As for yeah. getting your boat back, well, yeah. the lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're both in lockdown, yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, I, look, it's um, the world's on its head right now. Uh, we're in lockdown here. The, the race village in the Vendée Globe closed on Thursday night. We're all tested twice a week, blood tests, nose tests, the whole thing. I reckon the Vendée Globe village now with just the teams, the shore teams and uh, there, the skippers obviously aren't there. Is probably the safest place in the whole of Europe, quite honestly, sure. from not getting uh, wow. COVID because uh, we're uh, it's you know it's like it's like armed guards around the outside of it, and uh, <laughs> and the only people inside are, are, are multiple tested every week. So um, mm. uh, you know, it's uh, I don't know what's where we're going to be in a month's time or two months' time, if whether we're even going to be allowed to come to the finish line or what kind of finish line, what kind of world the. The Vendée Globe skippers are going to come back to you know it's all it's crazy, uh, isn't it? hopefully hopefully there'll be a different uh, uh, occupant of the White House um, but <laughs> but other than that uh, who knows who knows so, so just to actually tell us about that a little bit mm. Marcus the yeah. basically what I know um, the Omaka guys have been looking at this super hard for quite a long time and there's all sorts of rumours going around um, then. It's on. The race is on. Uh, one week out from the start, everything's shut down, race village. Um, yeah. What was the well, we uh, had, um, turn of events, really? Um, well, obviously, it all kind of started back in uh, March and April when uh, the first lockdown came and we were all new to this concept and nobody would really ever heard of Zoom. Um, and we uh, <laughs> thought we'd better check out this whole Zoom carry-on. And so we had regular weekly meetings, all of the Imoka teams and Imoka management to kind of work out what this actually meant in the big scheme of things because no one had a clue back in March mm. what was going to happen. And, but we saw all these events being cancelled left, right and centre and then the Olympic Games and why we said, my God, this is a big deal. Um, you know, what's going to happen to us? Uh, and at the same time, the event organisers, and uh, just to clear things up for your uh, your various um, uh, audiences around the world. The Vendée Globe is an unusual event in that the the event organizer, the owner of the event, <coughs> is the local government here in the in the Vendée department, which is like a, a county or a I don't know what the equivalent would be in Australia. It's not the region. I mean, you've got territories and, and uh, provinces and stuff. It's a smaller division. But it's a council. Um, France. 
the council, yeah. So the Fr French uh, country is, is very uh, decentralised from a government point of view. And so each county or each department, as it's called, there are 98 of them, I think, altogether in France. They're pretty autonomous with their budgets. And there's obviously a huge amount of political pride between them all and what have you. And the Vendée region, and they'd be the first to admit it, so I'm not criticising them at all, but they are probably amongst the proudest of French people mm -hmm. for various historical political reasons, which we don't need to go into because I'm not an expert. Anyway, to cut a long story short, um, if uh, anybody could make something happen against the grain, uh, they could do it and they'd find <laughs> the exemptions and they'd pull the strings and, and what have you. Um, there was a little wobble in, uh, in, in late April um, when... Um, the president of the of the Vendée region said, uh, "No, if there's no village, there's no race." And of course, we were all up in arms about that, saying, "You can't do that." And uh, you know, ultimately, this is a sporting competition. It's not about a village. The village is a three-week village. It's quite a consequential thing. You've all seen the pictures of them in the past, and 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 probably a third of the fleet sponsorships rely on the b2c environment of that race village mm. to actually pay the bills and sell the t-shirts and the and this that and the other to sort of fund it all so it's a it's a pretty significant little uh economic project uh just for the event but anyway current as i was saying before the, the the event management is the is the is the is the government local government it's not uh, an event promoter it's not owned by anybody other than the government and so uh if it had been an event promoter, they would have pulled the pin, clearly. But these guys uh, worked out that there was probably some political kudos in there. And I, I take my hats off to them now. At the time, I was very worried about it because um, they've effectively forced it through. And uh, mm. they forced this village to be built. They took a huge financial risk. And we've all had to kind of follow on the financial side to build lodges and stuff that we weren't sure were going to be exploitable. Um, and... Um, Anyway, we basically sold our souls to the devil back in, in, in April and said, whatever it takes to make the start happen on the 8th of November, we'll go along with it. And so whatever it took was that you spend money like water on paying for <laughs> hospitality lodges and this and that and the other and everything, as if nothing was wrong with the world, as if there was no COVID, as if there was not this... Uh, cloud hanging over us or sword hanging over us that the thing was going to be shut down at any moment um, and the, the other thing that's interesting is that this time of year all the all the big French races start at about this time of year because it's it coincides with uh, French half-term school holidays and stuff and so there's always the big crowds of the uh, the, the school kids uh, during half-term are always panned off to the grandparents around the country and so they, the all the big events are at this time um, and so the, the crowds, you know, are usually pretty significant, I, very significant. But this year, the, they uh, they shut it down to five thousand people in the lodge at, in in the um, in the in the village at any one time for two weeks, um, and uh, with a, a very 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 strict accreditation system and a track, tracking system, and you know the usual COVID carry on. So it was uh, it turned a lot of people off. Uh, the country and like rest of Europe is kind of running before this latest lockdown at dare I say 70, 80% of, you know, motivation, transport, this, that, and the other, everything's been a bit hard this year, obviously. Um, and then, uh, but they had two weeks of the village. And then on Thursday night, the president, uh, or Wednesday, the president addressed the nation and said from tomorrow night, we're going back into nationwide lockdown. And so, uh, overnight the village was closed. Um, 
but the teams, but the, the 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 race start is maintained because it's like rugby or football or any other sport, professional sports that can continue on. But our definition of a an empty stadium is is somewhat different to uh, to um, to football or rugby, and so we have to define. You know, obviously, when the boats go down the channel, there's not just a skipper on board. There's uh, uh, at leave the harbour of they Sabdalone to go out to the race start area. There's a few shore crew on board, and uh, you can't just uh, uh, just let him go on his own. So we had to have a whole um, protocol in place for the guys that go on the boat with him, and then the rib that collects them. And then, obviously, as you may be aware, with the rules of the Vendée Globe, you're not allowed to stop anywhere unless it's in Les Sabdalone. So if you have a problem up to ten days, you can come back to Les Sabdalone. You can restart, but. The skipper comes back on the first day or the second day. Well, it has to be the whole protocol mm. uh, sanitaire. So that that's all a bit complicated. But as I said, you know, we're, we're delighted to be here. This race is going to start. There's no question about it. So far, touch wood. I'm, I'm uh, looking around for some good wood. There have been no cases um, in this uh, of, amongst the skippers. I believe there have been a couple of cases with uh, shore crew that have just obviously had to disappear. Um, and um, uh, now the village is empty just for the short, except for the shore teams for another week. It's uh, it's a bit it's a bit surreal because they're all the beautiful boats are there with all their flags fluttering and mm. the boats. The fleet obviously is a week away from starting, so they're all 100% ready or 99% ready. It's it's a it's a it's a surreal sight. It really is. It's incredible. I guess my question for you is, uh, Marcus, is that uh, obviously the bigger teams. Um, I mean, they rely probably on different sources of income in terms of, uh, you know, getting through this situation, which is completely unique. But uh, the smaller teams, I mean, you must, we all must feel for them. I mean, you you said earlier that they rely on T-shirt sales and uh, various merchandise forms of income and things like that. I mean, the smaller guys must really be hurting. How, is there any support for them that's sort of coming extra, extra extraneously or is it just uh, all just deal with it? I mean... You just have to deal with it. I mean, this is this is the point. It's a harsh, it's a harsh world, and there's mm. no harsher sailing world than the solo offshore sailing world. It just adds, adds to um, it, doesn't it? <laughs> it's just another level. And I think you know, even the big teams, you know, because the big teams obviously have uh, big responsibilities. With uh, if you've got the target on your back because you're the, the favourite, where well, you've got to perform, you know. And if you're taking the the king shilling, you've got to be able to fulfil your activation stuff and. Uh, you know, sponsors obviously get pissed off if they're throwing millions of euros at, at things and then they can't bring their guests down to see the star and talk about it. But, but you know, interestingly, compared to many other sports, as we've said many times before, sailing is is actually extremely well equipped to deal with uh, covering the sports side because we, we never have crowds in the stadium except at the start and the finish. And, and the reality is that all of us here will be just glued to our tracker for the next two and a half, three months. Mm. Um, and that's uh, and watching every video that comes off the boat, and you know th- there'll be plenty of mileage for you guys over the next little while. Um, it's just going to be it's just going to be incredible. So I'm not um, I'm not worried about this competition side of it. There'll be plenty, and, and, and because everyone's locked in at home, there'd be an awful lot more people. Dare I say it, with free time on their hands to to, to follow this and to uh, and you know that's for us to step up and, and fill the gap and, and make people dream a little bit because uh, there's a question that being escapist like that around the world is uh, an interesting story for everyone. I guess having having you know spent a fair bit of time in the mini fleet you do see a lot of the way the way they get through these you know get to their goals their achievements you know their dreams and uh, that you know the, the better half of that fleet is it's a dream it's a goal um yeah. whereas yeah. The, the 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 elite 
front part of the fleet, um, you know, they're, they're out there and they've got the ability. Obviously, there's still the sponsorship sort of responsibilities, but the, uh, you know, the, the guys down the back there, they're, they're, they're going to be struggling and battling away, but they seem to be yeah. still getting there. They are, they are. And I, I think uh, as well, you know, I say it, they depend on the, the T-shirt sales and all the rest of it. The, t- the boat, the team doesn't depend on the T-shirt sales. Mm. It's the, their sponsors who've already committed the money last yeah. year yeah. that depend on the activation fulfillment side. I mean, the T-shirt sales is, is, is probably a little bit crass. It's just that... Yeah, well, it gets uh, the point across. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But, but, um, but, you know, so where we are, I mean, always a, a Vendée Globe year and, and a year before is, is the busy... You know, we we ramp up the peak period, and a, a post Vendée Globe year is always a quiet year because a the skippers are exhausted; they've got no more motivation for this. The huge personal sacrifices, reconnect with family. If they've done well, they've got a lot of media and stuff like that. But they really have to chill back. Um, but uh, we're going to have the double whammy of a, a very uncertain economic situation for what comes next, and and that's um, that mm. is a little bit worrying. I, I don't I don't know. I don't, I'm no better place than anyone else to to really understand what's going to happen next. Is it close um, to any of the teams pulling out? You think? No, no, not at all. Well, uh, the money's well, in committed, March, right? Well, we had a we had a we had a we had a third, uh, originally there was a thirty boat limit for the Vendee Globe because the port is actually quite small. It wasn't because they were being clever or funny. There just isn't any room in the yeah, sure. in the yeah. harbour for more boats. And um, and so we set up Imoka and, and the teams. We set up a qualification and selection process by basically you had to do all the Imoka races or as many of the Imoka races as possible. And there was a ranking, and the top guys and girls would would get the nod. Other than those that were exempted because they'd built a new boat or they'd finished the last race. And as time went on, you know the ranking became established and stuff. But. Uh, uh, and certainly in the spring, we had, um, you know, COVID. The people who were going to drop out dropped out uh, in the spring. Conrad Coleman, for example, Eric Nigon, um, they, 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 you know, couldn't raise the money to, to go on. And, and so it's not now that they're pulling out. It was a, it was a little while ago. Mm, sure. Well, and um, while we're on the Vondo then, your team, Toma, he's uh, feeling confident, looking good. The boat looks great, performing well. Yeah. Yeah, no, we're we're um, we've got an amazing boat. There's no question about it. We're extremely happy with the boat. The team's done an awesome job. We've been very, very fortunate to have uh, Antoine Koch as part of our performance team. Who um, I don't know if you, many of your audience would know him, but he's probably one of the unsung heroes of of offshore racing in the in the fact that he's a pretty talented designer. He's an awesomely talented sailor. Uh, he's got a huge amount of experience and. Um, has a very uh, abrupt way of dealing with things, but has guided us and given us confidence in decisions. Uh, and, um, you know, he, 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 he worked a lot with Guillaume Verdier. They did the Gitana Trimaran program mm. together. They did the, the, uh, the previous Amoka for Gitana together. Uh, Antoine's done an awful lot of um, uh, Orma sailing. He was an Orma 60-foot Trimaran skipper back in the day, and I used to race against him in the Figaro when we were even more youthful, although he's still a lot younger than me. Uh, and uh, so, so uh, yeah, our boat is um, our boat is a bit unusually, it's, it's got some differences compared to other boats. Um, clearly our foils setup is different. Our sail plan uh, is, is quite different. Um, and uh, we're very happy with the choices we've made. Obviously, we would all like to have sailed our boats an awful lot more than we have, but... Uh, Everyone's in the same situation there. Regrettably, we just haven't done enough miles in these boats. And so 
you know, it takes four things to win the Vendée Globe. It takes a really good boat, but it takes a reliable boat. And you guys know uh, the other two things is a really good skipper, but a skipper who's confident. And uh, confidence and reliability come from time on the water. There's mm. no secret to it. And uh, the more you sail, the more reliable your boat becomes because your confidence as a skipper grows in your boat because you know where the limits are and you understand it more. I mean, I don't need to explain that. But um, you know, we've we've got as much as we can of all of those components, but time ran out like it often does with these programs. And uh, clearly, we're we're only scratching the surface with these boats, which are they're phenomenal machines, but they're definitely a young person's thing. You need to be supremely fit to to last any time on board. And and I think uh, you know, we see on the outside, and you look at sail plans, you look at foil setups, you look at this, you look at that. But the reality is, I think a lot of you will be surprised to see quite how different they are set up on the inside mm. um, so that the skippers can try and relax and try and operate in some semblance of normality when they're hurtling along at uh, 25, 30 knots in, in an extraordinarily violent, violent environment. And um, just the ability to recover and to rest is really what's going to make the difference here. You know, for sure, the the performance of the boats is is, is awesome, but single-handed sailing, the boats are rarely at full pace um, for very long, uh, for obvious reasons. And and uh, the Vendée Globe's a special race in that it, it's so long, but the, the real race is the race down the Atlantic. And sure. once the first, guy, the first guys hop into the first system of depressions in the south, well, it's then about managing yourself and your boat to, to bring it home. Um, that's how it's been in the past, and we saw a fantastic example of that in the last Vendée Globe with the massive race between four or five boats, but which was dominated by Hugo Boss last time with Arma Leclerc nearby. And the pace and the force that they put it on it, unfortunately, that's what caused, well, one of the reasons we could argue that Alex broke his foil and, and was then handicapped, unfortunately, on, on Port Tack for the rest of the race. But... Um, Ah, look, it's uh, the, the boat's the boat's ready. Um, it's dry inside. We went for a last sail last Thursday in, in quite a lot of breeze and a huge swell. We 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 pushed it around and and uh, gave it its last pull in every direction. Tom wasn't on board. He's in lockdown. Has been like all the skippers for a while. Um, we've got a few other little interesting projects on the boat. We've got we've set up twelve. Uh, cinema style cameras on the outriggers and the bow and inside and what have you it's gonna be an amazing film made at the end of this with sound as well we've got 12 yeah. uh, fantastic uh, microphones scattered about inside and outside the boat to record these amazing beasts the noises that they make we, yeah. we never really tackle the sound there was, so a, there was a, bit... a question there was a question that came up during the week i think i was talking to you jay about mm. it um, is there I guess for the audience listening, is there any uh, what what is in place for us in terms of uh, in terms of footage during the race? Is there is there much coming going? Oh, coming sure. Back? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. The footage. Well, all of the boats. Uh, we, we have um, an uh, an obligation um, with financial penalties if we don't uh, oblige to send back uh, video footage uh, regularly. And obviously, there's uh, video calls into the boats um, depending on where they are in the fleet and stuff uh, during the week. And during the uh, during the whole uh, during the whole race, um, and that stuff's on the on the servers, uh, Vendée Globe servers. If you guys go and register on the uh, on the Vendée Globe website in the media section and, and get yourselves accredited, you'll get access to those 
videos and interviews and, and what have you. Um, there is an English side only, as only, well. Only for legitimate media outlets. <laughs> I was just going to say, I reckon about yeah, five well, of tw- our fans. 20, 23% serious, 100% of the time. I reckon a few of our fans are already on the bloody, on the website yeah. pretending to be bar karate and registering. <laughs> no, but all, yeah, maybe. But but all of the... Um, we'll get all, on there. We won't have a space. <laughs> You know, they yeah. go on the website and, and there'll be a, there'll be plenty of coverage, guys. Yeah, Anything that yeah. comes off the water will be there. But it's not Volvo Ocean Race where you've got an onboard media man firing this stuff off. For, you, you spare a thought for for the guys and the girls sailing the boats who've got plenty on as it is. And oh, obviously, I guess I guess one of the biggest things uh, from our side, down, especially down here in Australia, Marcus, is that uh, the double-handed scene is is really just launching here. The, short, the short-handed scene is just launching here and there's really – um, there's a handful of people that have gone and spent time in the shorthanded fleet in uh, in a, in France or Europe, and the whole uh, this whole Vendée thing is is you know is relatively new. The shorthanded stuff is relatively new, um, and we would love to be able to promote that and really make sure we get as many Australians on this as possible. Um, I think that's a good opportunity for this particular uh, episode is to try and give them an access to that. So sure. Sure, we, we, we aren't we aren't very good at the international promotion of, of this in France, and, and it's regrettable. And it's something I want to try and work harder on in the future to get. There's an amazing footage here, but the problem we have in in France really is that it, it all works so well here that they don't have any real motivation or need to promote it beyond the shores yeah. of France. Well, this is um, this, this is totally known by you know by, by myself who spent a lot of time in France. But the, yeah. the you know Australia the the you've got no idea how many. Australians don't even know about the Mini Transit. Yeah, no, you know, yeah, for sure. So, you know, yeah. my point is it'd be really yeah. lovely to be able to sort of really push this hard and make sure we yeah. get people watching this race. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's probably three sort of major topics I think that we need to cover off in our remaining time. One is the major performance characteristics that are going to be – because you mentioned the foils, you mentioned the rig, you mentioned downstairs, um, you mentioned one other thing which I've forgotten in the interim – Reliability. Um, reliability. Um, then we probably need to make the listeners understand what life's like on board when they're sailing full speed, what mm. these boats are like. And then I think we need to touch on some of the other favourites in the fleet. Um, so, unless, did you have anything else, guys, that you want to add to that? Uh, yeah, of? I certainly do. I've got my three. Oh, yeah. um, one, one is never, Gordon, one, never one to stand back and hold. One hold is uh, Gordon Maguire's. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, we got best that. story about Gordon. Yeah. And um, <laughs> do you reckon if I do an express shipment of some Barkarati sailors lager up to you, Marcus, you could uh, hand it out to some of the skippers? <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know uh, talking to Seb Joss back in the day when he, he did the Vendée yeah. um, and he had a bottle of wine on board um, yeah. and he was sailing along and just the boat stopped poof, dead oh, no. in the water straight into an iceberg, bowsprit straight into it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So he That's went downstairs, yeah. opened up a bottle of wine, <laughs> had a bottle of wine and then thought, oh, I'll have another crack now. <laughs> <laughs> the race starts again. So maybe... We could put a can on each boat, and if something you, you, good, you better bad, get a or wriggle on, mate. Or indifferent happens, yeah, we well, might have missed our chance. Let me right, just say, don't worry, there's another and I'll race. Take care of it till they there's get another back, race okay? in four years. <laughs> it comes, it comes with a, it comes with a stubby cooler. <laughs> <laughs> Send it up, and I'll take care of it in case you miss it. <laughs> yeah. There you go. No, okay, no. so uh, which one first? 
Jordan, um, I, I want to hear your thoughts, actually, Marcus, on the on the fleet. Who's the uh, look? Who's the favourites? Who's the dark horses? Who's um, someone that is going to no blow everyone out of the water? Sure. There's no question that uh, that uh, Chiral is the favourite. Um, they they're yep. a year ahead of the rest of us. Um, they're a big program. They've got a lot of really good people working on that thing. They've had more time in the water than anybody else. They're the guys with the target on their back. Uh, the, of course, um, then there's there's uh, Apivia, uh, which is the sister close sister ship to our boat, which uh, is part of the massive uh, uh, stable with a massively competent skipper with a huge amount of um, figure experience, although a little bit less around the world experience. He hasn't been in the South before. He's done a lot of Imoka sailing in the Atlantic. Um, so they're the two that are the big French teams, I would say. And then, of course, the Hugo Boss project uh, program is, is, is can, you can never not um, mention them as favorites. Uh, the, the truth is we know very little about Hugo Boss because other than the start of the Jacques Fab last year, we haven't seen them. Mm. They haven't sailed against any of us uh, all year. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, it's a fascinating-looking boat. Uh, a lot of us are scratching our heads on how, <laughs> how you're going to do it. But, uh, you know, the, that, that program is, uh, is, is awesome. It's got some amazing people in it, you know, just the likes of KP and Neil McDonald plus the mm. myriad of experience mm. of them. And it's beautifully built by Jason Carrington. And, you know, they've wanted for nothing except time, regrettably, like all of us, but uh, them perhaps more than most of us because of the accident they had mm. last year in the Jacques Fab, and, and that took a lot of time to get sorted. And, uh, you know, shout out to Alex and his team because – you know they they do it in the UK, which is not in the French environment, and it's 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 a lot more complex for them. Um, probably a little bit more expensive as well. I don't know about that, but you know they've 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 put together an amazing looking boat, and we know that they'll be bloody good, um, and we know that they have a lot of experience. But we also know that he's only got one objective, and that's to to, to win to it. Win. Mm. Um, so, uh, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see every boat. You know, they're so different. We've got four different design groups this year. And even yeah. amongst the design groups, there's different variations on the yeah. theme. You know, Chiral and DMG Mori are out of the same mold. Yeah. Um, DMG Mori is the Japanese boat. Um, I don't think they'll be particularly competitive. I mean, that wasn't really the, their goal. But uh, when you look at the Hugo Boss, which is from the same design uh, house, it's it's very different. You know, mm. the foil package is completely different. The hull shape's different. The whole inside-outside thing is different. And just the approach. So, so that's just one design group. And then we have the the Wan K boats, which uh, there's two of them from the same hull mold, but the deck molds two. are completely different, and uh, the foils are different. different. Yeah, and the exactly. foil packages are totally different. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, you know, regrettably, Arcade they've had quite a few technical issues yeah. with the boat, and so they're a bit late in in their program uh, in getting um, in getting. Um, and getting reliable and doing the miles. Um, and then we have the Quorum boat, which uh, is, you know, technically looks really interesting. We all, nobody's ever lined up against that boat. They've never sailed against any other Imoka, wow. certainly not in a race or a training session. Um, and they only launched in the spring. And of course, COVID hasn't helped things at all for them. They've had a few early, uh, well, like all these boats have had a few early niggling uh, structural issues and stuff like that. But um, it's, 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 just incredible to see two boats from the same design house that are so radically different mm. in the space of a short space of time. But, but that's the beauty of this scene. And then um, 
there's our boat, which is, you know, was the original Super 60, Volvo Super 60, thanks to you, by sea. I mean, you did all the you did all the engineering work, and we showed up into Persico, and there was just a, a block of foam there, and we, uh, which was the hull mold, uh, hull plug, or the beginning of the hull plug, and and uh, took it from there. But uh, uh, and the, but the last and most interesting boat um, is Occitan de Provence, the black mm, boat with yeah. the golden sun on it, and that's <laughs> yeah, a manoir design. Uh, fantastic, fantastic! Uh, that the first um, Imoka design from from Sam, who's done an awful lot in minis and class forties and stuff like that. He's he's produced something that is is very different again, and is seems to be pretty competitive on on, yeah. on the angles we've sailed against them. Um, and uh, really looking forward to that. I, I I just I hope it's reliable. They've had a few structural issues with that boat as well. I hope it's reliable enough to. To stay in the match, uh, so that we can really see. Because coming at the end of this, when the Vendée Globe's finished, you know, regrettably we're going to have a, at least a fifty percent retirement rate. Because statistically, that's how it always is. Which is um, a huge question, Marcus. Sorry to sorry to cut you off there, but yeah. the, the the question that is on everyone's lips is, uh, you know, these boats. Obviously, the last of last uh, last uh, Vendée, we had a couple of them down there in the Southern Ocean, but now we've got. You know, all these boats going down there in this configuration. Uh, the Southern Ocean is, at the best of times, uh, you know, can be quite heavy. How, how, are, we, how are we feeling? How, I mean, are they – well, there's a big question on everyone's lips, surely. You know, sure. But I, I'm not sure it's terribly different to previous events on that side. You know, for sure the boat – we didn't think the foilers could do it last time. We were mm-hmm. all very mm-hmm. nervous about that. And, uh, in fact um, – my my own boat last time around uh, SMA was in third place when he broke his keel ram, you know, because again it was about attrition uh, mm-hmm. and it was about uh, pacing yourself and about that whole business of delivering the boat through the south and getting home, um, and that was more about the sailor than the boat, quite honestly. Um, yeah. What's interesting with some of these foil packages is uh, how you can can retract them or you know when when you're going too fast or it's too wild or there's too big a seas, can you can you remove them from the scene and different Boats have different ways of doing that. Obviously, the sea, the, the, the Paprek and Hugo Boss, they can be completely retracted such that there's almost nothing left in the water. Um, uh, and then you've got the far, the other end of the extreme with Corum, where when it's retracted, it's it's still fully down, fully in the water. And then the, the Verdier designs where their foil cases are curved towards the inside. So when you retract them, you're, you're lifting the tip out of the water as well as removing the shaft length. Mm. Um and that's you know, there's no the, like always in all these things. There's endless solutions and lots sure. of compromises. And time next year or next, because it won't be when they're all finished that we'll know what the right answer is. And yeah. it's going to take some time before. But there will probably be some some uh, differences in opinion as to what's okay. realistic. And I guess what you could argue, uh, apart from hitting something, the science is much stronger. Well, mm. it's certainly mm. a lot stronger than it ever used to be compared with these falls like a bit of trickle-down from Cup World. Oh, um, massive. And yeah. to essentially the foils in normal sailing load will not break, whereas the last edition, yeah, there was it unknown. was still a bit of a guessing game. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What about That's the true. build techniques and everything? So, what, what about what about testing? I mean, has there been much testing in heavy heavy air downwind? Even even though you're only in, up in the bay, but uh, you know, obviously, you get big yeah, seas up the, there. The bay. Yeah, the I know. Bay I know. Of, don't. The bay I'm, I'm not. Death. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not saying it's. <laughs> I've spent my time up there. I know exactly what I'm talking about. But you know, I'm saying that uh, it's, there, there must have been time spent testing those situations. Surely. 
Uh, yeah, we've uh, obviously we're, we're we're in the autumn here, so we've come off the back of summer, and summer there's you've got yeah. to go a long way to find any weather in the summer. Um, the Vendée Arctic race, which we did in in July, was uh, was pretty good. It was pretty pretty uh, pretty tough for the first couple of days, and it was upwind. And you know, there's no question that the upwind wave jumping in right these but it's a really fast upwind. Now these are doing 16, 17 knots. Upwind. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. Uh, it's quite phenomenal, and and there's and plus you have the whole wave jumping saga going on at the same time. So that's when you you shake the things around a bit. Um, then the downwind side, well, it's more about getting a situation where you've got you know stable stable flying, but so that you're you're happy with um, mm. with the boat not crashing the whole time, not stalling the foil the whole time, and that's where the work has been going on. In our own case, we've now got a set of foils that are operating further from the air water interface so so we we can we have a much more stable flight regime than than we did before which uh, allows your average speeds to stay higher for longer which is uh, and makes it easier for the guy to sail the boat um, does, and does, leave it for a while does it come down to how i mean we're talking about running these boats with autopilots obviously majority of the time and you're, you're driving down the face of these big waves um, 99.9% of the time did you yeah, say yeah yeah but uh, I'm just trying to work out, you know, you're driving down the face of these waves and um, it, obviously the autopilot has got to have to have some massive adjustments when it hits that face and, uh, you know, because there's going to be a time when the bow obviously hits uh, just but the sheer face of the wave. You know, uh, no, for sure. Uh, there, there are quite a lot of... Um quite a lot of uh before before the race starts over the season we have to provide a lot of uh video footage of the boats in different sailing conditions and and uh, we've done that you, you wait for the cold front to go through so that there's a nice uh, sun behind but a big seaway and a lot of wind and puffy clouds and stuff and you take a helicopter up and you go out there and you let rip and and make sure there's no land in the background so that people think they're they're far away out to sea uh, there's some pretty impressive photogra- uh, f- photography and videography of these things. I'm happy to share a link with you guys to to see that, where you see these boats plowing along in big seas, and, and mm, uh, you know, sure great. they crash and waves go over <laughs> over the boat becomes a submarine for a while and what have you. They are so much tougher than they were even four years ago. You know, we just spend so much more time adding structure and adding structure, but they are they the hulls are pretty bulletproof now. I certainly are, and. Uh, um, but the foil, you know, that is the thing is what level, what, what pace are you going to be able to sail this at? Because, mm. uh, you know, you can always throttle back and, but somebody else is going to be going faster and how come he can go faster for longer? It's because he's physically able to do it as yeah. a human being. He is because his setup inside is, 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 uh, more ergonomically, uh, acceptable or makes it easy to live. The bean bag's uh, got more beans in it. Yeah. Well, no, it's those, that's when we're way beyond that, my friend. <laughs> we're more into a space like shuttle seat molded over the back of the skipper and uh, sitting you know, in it, uh, sitting in a sitting in a dome that's set yeah. up with bungees everywhere, so yeah. you're just floating. <laughs> so, um, but it, Buckley is now the limitation is not the boat, the sails, the foils. We know the, the guy, the guy or the girl, yeah. It's the human element. element yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, you know, the rig yeah. was the was the limit because we were developing more writing moment than the mast could support. But right now we've overcome that with, you know, these things are instrumented up to the nth degree with optical fibers and the foils and load mm. cells everywhere. So we know what's going on everywhere and there's bells ring and la- uh, um, lights flash and, and, and uh, 
you know, limits to make sure that the boat doesn't um, doesn't overload when the boat's sailing, when the skipper's sailing. You know, it's uh, it's it's important to um, keep that under control. I wonder if Alex has got that hooked up hooked up to his special watch to give him an electric <laughs> shock. Yeah, the maybe. one that. Yeah. Oh no, we won't go that. <laughs> <laughs> um, just before we we sort of need to get on to uh, some of Bicey's special questions here, but just. One thing I want to quickly ask, because somebody will be thinking it, what about the the previous generation boats? Um, we have yes. seen a couple of them have been able to stay um, with Absolutely. or, or no, done really well. But in the Vondo when you can just stay in front of the weather fronts and drive these things, the new boats, super hard. Are there any of the previous generation boats that can stay with them? Or um, there are, yep, there are, okay. there are. It's yes. Who we got? Uh, number one for me would be uh, Boris Herman with Militia, and the reason I say that is it's a it's a, it's a bloody good boat. It was Seb Joss's boat from the last race, but he's and, the only one from the boats of the last generation foilers that modified their boat to take the new foils and right. the foil adjustment, uh, the rake adjustment. Uh, they've done an awful uh, lot of sure. work on that boat, built up the structure, changed the bow. Yeah. Uh, so so that's that's one to watch. The Boris other the other thing there is, of course, he's an X505 sailor, so he's probably, you know. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Oh, yeah, that's that's a good answer, Marcus. Great answer. <laughs> Keep going. I Keep have going. no comment. The ultimate yeah. dinghy. Yeah. There you go. Um, and then um, also Sam Davies has uh, got a, a really nice boat um, with uh, with uh, uh, very similar to our V1 foils from Verdier with uh, the whole rake adjustment and stuff. So, and, you know, she's done this before at least once. So mm. she, knows the, she knows the deal. And then the third one is uh, Isabel Joshka, who's sailing a, what was a saffron from a long time ago, but uh, was kegging there in the last Vendée Globe. It just had uh, dagger boards mm. last time, but they have put modern foils, the same foils as Boris in. And uh, she's a very plucky uh, woman as well. And I don't, uh, I don't underestimate any of, of those, you know, certainly if there's breakdowns, those are the kind of people that can, can really uh, be, be in the top five. No question about it. Yeah. That's a, that's, I don't know how to pronounce Is it Massif? M-A-C-S-F. M-A-C-S-F. Which is a VLP, a VPLP Verdier from 2007, I think from. Yeah. So, yep. Okay. That's cool. I wanted to bring that sort of in. Bicey, I might throw to you for the critical question. Before All right. I think we've so, sort of well, it's got the pencil in hand. You know it's serious now, Marcus. The Maguire. All right. Before we get onto Gordon, Gordon Maguire. Before we get onto Gordon, <laughs> how about our good friend Brian Carlin? We know oh, he's a big geez. fan of the show, and he'll he'll be listening in. So yeah. give give um, you you've obviously done, had a lot to do with shaping and moulding Brian into a round ball <laughs> and a few other things. <laughs> no, including, no. Including, um, his, including his latest haircut on Facebook. Uh, <laughs> oh, I haven't seen his but haircut. You've you got to have some, something something on Brian. I didn't give you much of a heads up on it. But, um, Guys, we don't have enough time to talk about all of these people. There's too much there. But uh, <laughs> Carlin, look, Carlin, uh, there's, there's – there's, he's um, – he, Carlin was a – I'm just going to say nice things about them because Carlin was a guy I met in my yacht club in Kinsale. Oh, God, I can't remember. It must have been in 2010 or 2011. He was he was an architecture technician and he had a camera and he was videoing mm. a local match racing event 
And uh, I just happened to be back from I don't know where, and I was there having a look. And and he came up to me, and somebody introduced us, and we started talking. And he said, oh, "I just want to get involved in in in, in yacht racing and, and all of this stuff." I actually, I think I'd just come back from being I don't know uh, communications director of the Volvo Ocean Race or something like that. So I was kind of current on all of that stuff. And we just had the first cycle with the onboard media crew and. And uh, it's again, it's like Pammy and what have you. you come across people who are just bursting with enthusiasm and motivation and desperate for advice or desperate for information or guidance and what have you. And he was one of those guys who who lapped it up. And uh, we had a, uh, I gave him a few breaks with a couple of gigs. We did the the America's Cup World Series event in Plymouth, um, and he came over. He didn't have two pennies to rub together. I didn't really have a budget. I think I gave him a thousand euros for all of his pictures for. For a, for, for a whole week, all rights, all video, everything. And he took care of all of his costs and his getting there and what have you. Um, and uh, those photographs were used and that was a big break for him. And then I took him on the road with the Artemis Offshore Academy and he was a total pain in the ass on that. And he'll agree with me when I say that. He, he didn't behave well. He didn't understand what hard work was. Um, but I think if you ask him now, he'll definitely say those those that, that second event, the whole Figaro scene really taught me that you, you just got to pick it up and go with it. The event business is, is tough. And, uh, yeah. Uh, and, uh, anyway, to Carlin's a great guy, a lot of time for him. We have a lot of laughs together. He's done a lot of stuff with me and I'm delighted he's doing so well because, uh, it just, it's just proof again that people who are motivated and want to get on with it, they will make it just remove the excuses not to do things. You'll find a way. God, we've given him enough yeah. publicity too. Right, Carlin, no. he must have... Love, love you, Alan. Yeah, you good must, on you. must yeah, be. So, good, good on you, <laughs> Pretty much anyone from the Volvo takes the piss out of him, especially yeah, Trey. Well, that's what he is. Um, his Tony character. Ray just really sent it, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And, um, He's a pain in the ass. He's you, a total Alan. pain in the ass, Colin. Yeah, all right. All right, all right. To, the, to the last one, Gordon <laughs> Maguire. Best Gordon Maguire. Best. Best story. I can't think of a best story because there are too many. Um, Gordon Maguire. Gordon, like all of us, uh, you know, we've we've had our ups and downs over the years. Uh, shit, I can't think of, of of the best. I can't think of the best. Um, I can think of the worst. That'll do it. The two of us were we were on the last leg of the last race of the um, quarter ton cup in Cork and we were leading on points and racing against uh, Paul Ricard Ho Jensen and we had a, a really nice boat um, called Quest which is still sailing around in Dublin Bay I think and uh, we, we screwed up tactically we were young young blades and we made one little tactical error and this guy sailed past us and he looked at me and said what do I do what do we do I said oh. I don't know. I don't know. But anyway, it was, uh, that was pretty tough, but we went on and won the half time cup together a, a year and a half later. I think it was, um, God, Gordon, uh, Jesus, I don't know where to start. We, we did so much together. Over years. It's all molded into one. <laughs> it is. Yeah. 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 I, I have to be honest. I, you know, he was, we were very, very close. He was a really great friend. We did a lot together. I have to shout out to Gordon's dad, Neville Maguire and Jean Maguire, who were, who were pillars of the Irish or the North Dublin sailing scene. Neville's still with us. He's, he's in his nineties now, but, uh, uh, awesomely talented sailor. That's where Gordon got it from, but, um, a hugely generous guy. And I must say, if I ever had one role model in, in, in sailing, um, it would be Neville Maguire who, who taught me a go. lot about sharing and, and, uh, 
uh, I couldn't um, I couldn't say more about that. But uh, um, Gordon, I'd uh, love to love to catch up with you again sometime soon. I haven't seen what? him for God. The last time I saw him, I think was in Hobart in two thousand and three. I've got a solution um, for you, Marcus. What we'll do down the track is we'll create uh, an episode where you're both on and we can have the, the banter <laughs> that episode. Would be a, that would be a cracker. We'll have the banter yeah, episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you yeah. can go oh. as hard as you like at each other and that'll Wait, be – Plenty of plenty of crack. Yeah. That'll, crack. We'll get um... – yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll create that one and oh, that'll be good fun. Would that would All that right. would that rise us up the charts in the uh, in, in the Irish Ireland. comedy show? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Hey, oh, um, Marcus, and finally, last one. Um, if you don't, we might try and tap into you like every couple of weeks throughout this yeah, holiday, yeah. just yeah, to no get a bit of uh, your inside information. Sure, um, it's a inside views, what's going mm. on. That'd um, be good. That'd be great. Mm. Yeah. No, no worries. No worries. It's always on a Sunday. You're you're around this time. Oh, uh, we can record whenever, mate. We we yeah, okay. We yeah. publish on a Sunday. Yeah. We publish on a yeah. Sunday morning. So time. so just that so you know that there's a as a live English version, twenty minute show hosted by Andy Robertson every day of the Vendée Globe. It's in French um, uh, an hour beforehand, but it's at uh, one o'clock. No, one thirty. UK time, uh, so that'll be GMT, I guess, um, uh, for fifty for twenty minutes yep. every day, and the information's on vondeglobe.fr. And just viewed online at um, vondeglobe.org. Yeah, yeah, yep. I really want, I really want uh, uh, this part of the world to get into this race this time around. I, I think that uh, I think we've got a good opportunity to to do that. So cool. Good. So. Be cool. The, the well, put it this way: it's going to be one of the most exciting races that oh, we've seen. Absolutely, or that we're going to have the pleasure to watch with the, what's going with, on with these. Let's face it: probably some of the most radical northern boats that we'll yeah, ever yeah. see. And with and with all the uh, with all the focus on uh, on shorthand stuff now, as I said to you earlier, Marcus in Australia, it's uh, I think it's really cool. So let's let's push it. Start. Let's do, let's do a <coughs> let's do a promotion on or let's get some two-handed um, mixed offshore stuff going. You know, I'm more than happy to help push that. And <laughs> oh, uh, I'm starting to get excited about this one. Yeah, yeah, we've right. really got to do so more. You, I don't know how it so is in Australia, but all right. So the Vendée starts next week. Uh, 8th of November, 12.02 Greenwich Mean Time, uh, 24,000 nautical miles. There are 33 teams. Marcus said they tried to limit to 30. They've kept 33 out of the 73 teams that are ranked on the Globe Series. So um, we're going to build up. Next week we'll try and do a little bit of an update with some weather as well is what our mm. goal is. And Marcus will be touching back, getting some information, but we appreciate all the inside stuff you Absolutely. gave. That was that was awesome and we appreciate you taking the time to talk to the team here at Bar Karate. Um, we know the Irish and the Aussies like chatting, so it's always a good thing. <laughs> Good fun. Great great show, guys. Thanks very much. Yeah. Good on you. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks, Marcus. Cheers. Good insight, lads. Good insight. One week away, and it's going to be a cracker. Imagine, oh, like, um, Marcus was saying prior to the interview how windy it was there today in mm. France, mm. 40 knots. Mm. That's what we need next week. 
Mm. And actually during the interview and I thought, oh, wouldn't it be great we should um, actually um, record next week after we've watched the start of the Monday. No, we but can't. that's a negative. It's the first <laughs> RV uh, Variety Club bash. Oh, <laughs> you, yeah, well, you won't be thinking anything about sailing, I can tell you that much. Well, yeah. I, I, I probably will be and I'll be talking about sailing but probably won't be in the greatest state to be uh, discussing it no. on, the, on, the, on the air. Yeah. I want to just you, touch. Uh, we've made that mistake before. Yeah. I just want to touch on my point earlier I made with uh, Marcus that uh, this part of the world needs to get on board with this race this year. Um, I think that the opportunity, obviously, with the, uh, the the current status of the world and the world sailing and stuff, I think everyone should really give it a good hard crack and get involved and have a listen, have a look at what's going on yep. via the various media outlets, which we will hand down to you. I can't tell you off the top of my head what they are right now, but I'm sure we can. Oh, find don't them. worry, Jordan will look after that. <laughs> yeah, Vonday Globe, dot com. Um, <laughs> pretty much, um, yeah, yeah, probably Vonday, guessed it right. Vondayglobe.org. Yeah, Vondayglobe.org. But listen. Yeah. Absolutely, this race is going to be spectacular. It's going to have some massive ups. It's going to have some massive downs, and it's going to have some massive surprises. And I think that's what uh, what this is all about this time. Absolutely. And um, who you got your money on, boys? Do you reckon sports are bloody doing this? I'm going to have a look now while we're talking. Um, on, there we go. It's a good question. Um, I, I think. Um, Advents might be, I reckon. Advents could be horse. dark one. horse. Or I don't a, think or they're a dark horse. I think they're they're right there solid. on favouritism. Um, there's, you know, as Everyone's I said, saying Chiral obviously because of their time on the water. Yeah, but um, if you look back at some of the races that we've seen, you know, the the teams that have really been at the front, uh, Advents. Um, a Pivia is who I mean. Sorry. Yeah, Pivia, Charlie, yeah. Darling. Yeah. yeah. Apivia, sorry, uh, apologies for that. So, um, so Apivia, um, Sherelle, and Linked Out have been um, Apivia Advent, uh, Linked Out Advent. I, yeah, I just, I just have been the three. I would love to see Sam Davies have a good, good crack at it. Oh, she will. She'd be fantastic. Yeah. Um, Hugo Boss will obviously. Oh well, Alex, you know, get him out there and chilly break mean, something. It's a, bit different. it's a bit different to the last one where there was only a couple of the minute. But I, uh, I actually you know. do think we need to call uh, uh, Alex is uh, a potential sort of world leading test rig. <laughs> yes. Yep. Definitely. Yeah. When Definitely. You, when you actually yeah. think about all his boats and uh, all his the adversity history. that he's yeah. had, uh, not only during adversity. given races but adversity. in lead up. Yep. To races as yep. well, yeah, and by tough. the way, I can confirm Sportsbet does not um, have, have any odds, have, any, have anything on there for the Vondo. Oh, well, um, I, can, I can confirm I've put fifty bucks on Trump to win the U.S. election. Yeah, well, oh, really? Uh, have you? Yeah. Whether I believe it or not, <laughs> yeah, you never know. Yeah, we might as well. What's, it's, what's it's, his odds? That's called his, hedging. Oh, hedging. mate. It was like two bucks sixty or something. Oh, that's out. That's a good yeah. good return. Yeah. Um, the other no. the other anyway, team. Don't talk about politics. Is Armel Tripon? I reckon. Architon en Provence. Oh yeah, Architon en Provence. that's a cool oui. looking. Back. <laughs> oui, oui. Yes, the it's black a, one. Yes, I do love it. It it could be a super it could be a super quick one. So yeah, yeah. Good well, t- that's Marcus said they were they were they were quick in the mm. background as well. So mm. yeah, that's exciting. Oh, I, uh, and soft spot for Boris. Go, Boris. He listens. Sure. 
Yeah. Yep. Do it, Boris. Yep. Send it. Send it. Oh, look, I, I just want to say to to all of them, um, you know, even down to the uh, to the thirty third entrant, uh, good luck to you all and fair winds, and then obviously you can't say enjoy yourself, but <laughs> see you at the end and uh, hope to catch mm. up with you. And get back. <laughs> uh, whilst I'm doing my little summary, so uh, this is the ninth edition of the event. Uh, uh, Marcus mentioned Michelle Destajoyu, who was. Won the event twice. It's the only person to do that. Um, so yeah, started in 1989. So she's grown really, really well with your your uh, your you're really well with your names there. Oh, I know. I'm not. I'm not French at all, am I? I haven't spent. Any, <laughs> I've only spent what one or two two a week or two in France. But it's the effort that it's made. always been freezing cold. Um, anyway, let's move on. Sorry. Sorry let's get on to another wait, major wait. event that happened. Um, well, match racing champs happened. Um, yes. Last yes. year, prize money was a million dollars. This year, it was what thirty thousand or something. Thirty right? grand. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why bother? Glamour. <laughs> <laughs> poor, poor uh, the team that won. Are you going to talk about that, Bossy, or do you want? Me- yeah. No. No. I'll take it over. Um, but basically, Taylor Canfield, the team stars and stripes, they win what is the dual, ch- dual championship, being the uh, gold cup and the World Championships. Mm. So congratulations to Taylor and his team, and maybe they should have pushed a bit harder and they would have got a uh, boat in the cup. Yeah. Yeah, that's it's they a real shame. Took not... out Ian Willi- mm. Ian, they took out Ian Williams, who has been a long-time campaigner. Yeah. Took out, um, took out being the word. With our friend. Andrew Pinder. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a exactly. <laughs> Did you say a um, and Sorry, I, I, I didn't I believe, um, the crash. Yeah. Was there a crash, was there? Oh, oh, Campfield did not hold back, I tell you. Okay. Um, so, yeah. listeners, get on to that. He had, a, he had a penalty on Williams. Uh, I think it was race two. I'm not sure, Bice. Penalty on Williams. Decided to go for a second. Uh, Williams was crossing him on port. Um, Campfield's on starboard. Just went for it. Didn't try to avoid the collision. Just kept going. Made the collision, <laughs> took out his stern, pushed his stern around. The bow of William's boat's gone into the media boat hard. <laughs> into the media boat, correct. Yep. Jeez, um, <laughs> yeah. I hope that doesn't happen with oh, the Parker Barge in New Zealand. Beautiful. Oh, it won't matter, mate. Our barge <laughs> is going to be still and fucking strong. <laughs> and what? Um, but those that one out, be- Beautiful boat. The boats that they sail the Gold yeah. Cup in, like oh, they yeah. just... Lammets, aren't they? Lammets. Aren't they the forty fours? What, what were they this year? Same as usual. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 not, the, not um, the RC forty four. No, RC four. No, no, no. no. They're, they're no. like classics. Okay. No, 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 no. Uh, um, Played like a dragony. Yeah, like all a, those little things. Yeah, 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 but, yeah. but um, the the what did he win? Th- four, uh, three of the four races. Yeah, that's, yeah. So quite convincing. Yeah. In the end. Yeah. 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 So. Um, uh, yeah. Well done, Taylor and his team. Yeah, yep. it's a shame they're not in the cup. To Ian. Ian. Yeah. Shame they're not in the cup. It'd be interesting to see how they would have gone. I wish they sure. got their money together. Um, Vondae Race Village is closed. We've mentioned that's been mentioned many times. Uh, the offshore doubles. Um, if you're even slightly interested, maybe like you're, or you're really, really interested, like BP, um, the, there's basically Google offshore doubles. And join up, you'll be able to find it. It's been uh, – uh, yeah, BP, been you probably know about it. Do you, do you know? 
So what it's a world sailing thing, right? Mm. Yeah, it's a world sailing thing. It's it's pushed pretty hard actually. It's uh it's it's basically I guess a, a, a database of people ever and getting together and talking about events and talking about stuff. So it's uh, it will be interesting to see how how it grows over the coming uh, coming weeks. So yeah, offshore doubles. Uh, I don't even know what the dot is, so <laughs> to just just Google <laughs> offshore doubles, and it's there, uh, and it's got some good good information there. Cool. Um, ah, cool. Uh, Australian Sailing Hall of Fame made some announcements, and one of our really close mates, Malcolm Page. Well, got well done, well done, Jordan. Yes, you're in. Greatest coach. Awesome. Oh, no, I, I didn't make this. it. Yeah, well, I did hear this. <laughs> I didn't make it. You did. <laughs> Pagey made it. Uh, oh, congratulations to Hall of Fame. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, of course, Pagey. Talk about Hall of Fame. Guess who I bumped into at uh, Coles last night? Uh, well, it wasn't John <laughs> Cunha. One Adrian Cahalan. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Hello to her. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um oh. Jo- uh, who else? Frank Bethwaite got dropped in, and uh, also congrats to uh, to Noel Robbins, Jamie Dunrose, and, and Graham Martin. They also got uh, dropped in. So just thought I'd mention that because, uh, and we'll have Paisy on in a few weeks after we've started the Vonda. He's he's a very good friend of ours, and uh, he's worth a chat to. And very smart man, two time Olympic gold medalist. Mm, absolutely. Um, BP, you're going yep. to be interviewed. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Harkin in at the front uh, this week. So talking about the offshore doubles, but talking about offshore uh, uh, short-handed sailing. So um, that'll be an interesting one with Harkin. In the front mates. or at the front? Uh, at is the this front, when you are you going to announce your Olympic campaign with um, during this interview, or do you want to save it to announce it on Barkerati? Oh, I'll probably just save it till I announce it on Barkerati. Mm. Oh, okay. Um, Who's if, if anyone listens? I mean. I don't know. <laughs> Who am I sailing with? Oh, I don't know yet. I haven't sorted that out. No. <laughs> oh. uh, okay. All right. Moving on. Uh, secret Pro News, gentlemen. Should we talk about this secret, the banter you two had yeah, before we there's recorded? A bit of banter. There's a bit of banter. Bicey, do you want to hit this one or do you want me to do it? It starts with the word. No, no. In. Well, we, we thought is, is we'd it, have a bit it of is word, uh, it is secret word Pro News. Secret yeah. Pro News in the actual world. Um, yes, and I was just... Just telling the boys, um, just for our listeners, when we were off air, how we're sailing the actual today with good mate Carlin Howard and uh, Dunny, and um, I just said to them, oh, how good would actuals be in Port Lincoln? Mm. They would be absolute weapons mm. there, like and, flat water, and good breeze, mm. awesome. And, and to build build uh, the situation up a little bit further, listeners, and to all of our Etchell fans out there, um, I was actually having a discussion yesterday after, after I came off the water Etchell sailing and they were talking about possibly sailing in Port Lincoln on the way home from Perth next year for the Australian mm. titles. So maybe that could be a push. Um, we could get behind that one. You probably shouldn't get yeah. into it, boss. I wouldn't worry too much about between you and Carlin. Neither of you'd make it over to Port Lincoln from where you are, and your little Land Rover Defenders. <laughs> <laughs> you drop liters of oil, between. mate. Mate, we're not going to make it past next week in the Variety <laughs> Club bash, so we're not have to, going to have to worry about anything uh, else, <laughs> boys. But the, but the the point is that uh, Port Lincoln. Would be the greatest place to have an actual national championships, and nah. uh, I, I really hope it goes. No, I, I was just speaking like to actually have an actual in Port Lincoln, just sailing oh. on a normal yeah, like imagine, a weekend imagine, sailing. Imagine if there was forty of them. Awesome. Mm. Oh, yeah. there you go. <laughs> um, last week, boys, I dropped something on you where I pitched 
um, oh. coffee table book idea. Oh, I was waiting for now, this. Now, can, can I just give a little one on the coffee table yeah, book yeah, idea? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've had some photos sent in. Yes, yep. we have. Um, most prominently from Julie Newton thus far. Who <laughs> we expected straight uh, away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, I'm expecting oh. Snowdy to send in next. Like yep. basically just the quiver of boats that both of them own. Um, that's equal points for them both. They actually, they're just they're now vying off who gets the more mentions on Bar Karate. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think the world actually took it seriously. So I'm to, for our world listeners, our global listeners, get onto it, please. Send your photos in. No, um, we'll, we'll set it up properly. We'll go and do a proper what, setup. What I have had is an offer for someone to do all the copywriting, printing, putting the book together for us. There, there you we go. go. So if, if you want to be in this book, get onto it now. Um, the only... The only, the only thing to the side of doing that is the front cover is going to have a picture of Aiken. Alan <laughs> <laughs> <Island> Howard's boat. <laughs> well, well. All right. All right. So we'll expand on that. There's no rushing boats. <laughs> no, no. Basically, the but. gist, uh, I'll just get the gist out. We'll, we'll come back to this one. But. We had this idea, or I had the idea that we do a coffee table book where you guys send in photos of your boats. And we put it all together in a, a book and we get a cool coffee table book where, you know, um, everyone... It's basically is, a glamour photo. Yeah. It's like the hero shot of your boat yeah. with yeah. your own yeah. hundred words. And you can, all, yeah. you can all send them in and we'll put it... And we'll do it pretty much at cost price. Like we'll just... and. Basically, we'll try and get them out there around the world. So that's the plan. Um, I've had two more ideas I want to drop on you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we'll come back to the coffee table book. I want to – I'm trying to get more people involved, our listeners. I'd like to do a talkback show where they – people can come on and ask questions. Whether we have a special guest they ask a question on. So like Tony Mutter would be a good one where because he, he we want to get Tony back. We said that he's in town in a few weeks, you know, and we could actually have guests come on. And the way I was thinking to do it is just first come, first serve. We publish the time. They come in on the Zoom link and then, um, you know, we, we'll, we'll just say, okay, Bill, your question. Um, Fred, your question, and they ask the question, and and just see how that goes. It's a show. Bill, Bill and Fred. Well, okay, Angelique or uh, <laughs> Yvonne, you know, whatever, whoever it is. Basically, it's just an idea. I'd like to see if we can make it work. It might be a complete disaster, and we just don't publish it. But it's something I'd like to do to give the, the listeners a chance to ask some of the questions. So. We essentially announce who's coming on. They think up their question. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Knowing who the guest is, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And they just oh, get in. We announce. Like we, announce we announce a time. Yeah. And they they join in I the guess, Zoom link. I guess. I guess the biggest problem we're going to have is because of the amount of listeners we have mm. control, controlling the calls. I mean, we're going to have to have a switchboard. No, no, we can't do a switchboard. So because everyone comes in on the same line, and we can't move. Mute people because they all come through one link. So we'll just have to, like, it'll be first in first and I'll just do a list and we'll just go through and we'll do 10 questions. So if you're in the first 10 or 15 or whatever, um, you know, we'll just see if it can work it out. Right, like so it. that leaves seven. That that leaves seven. I'll, I'll, I'm doing three. 
Oh wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that leaves seven for the guests. We'll see. Anyway, it was just an idea. First, I haven't got it worked out. I'm just the first seven guests that come through have a question. They have yeah. to type the question up first, and then it's no. on. Then it's officially on. Yeah, something like no. that. I like it. Yeah, I like it. Gonna work. Yeah, I like it. Work. Okay. So we could do something like that. So I'd like to do that. I've got another one. Mm-hmm. One of the things we say all the time is we're about promoting the sport, right? I thought you were going to mm-hmm. say you're idiots. No, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's a good point. About promoting the sport. And so we get these guests on. The, the whole motivation around the getting the guests on is to try and actually bring uh, aspirational, give aspirational ideas. So Marcus, you know, from a team management perspective, there's all these different ideas. Why? Communications, yeah. Yep. All, so there's always, a, there's always a, a reason that we have a guest is that it'll benefit a listener somehow. Of why, why would we not once a month or every second week or whenever, we should actually interview a representative from a class of boat. So we should actually talk about a class mm. of boat. It would be a good episode, you know. So if people are interested in their particular class of boat, so you could nominate it. Could be the Flying Fifteen. It could be. Uh, I like it, the NS Fourteen. Like four, it could be the I NS like Fourteen. That. It could be something from the Rainbow. The Rainbow. It could be something from Ireland. It could be something from the US. Uh, it 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 could be something from New Zealand. What was no. that boat Tony sailed? Um, the Dad and Son boat. Oh, the, the father and son. The, the father and son. Mum. Yeah, the father, father and son. Father and son. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. So, yeah. yeah right. so, that is a good idea. Now, that is I a good like idea. It. And I'll tell you why that's like a good it. idea is because there's going to be a lot of people out there who actually want to hear about a particular class. Yes. That's it. And and, and if they've got an interest in a, yeah. you know, I don't know, could be for the upper end, uh, you know, the TP52s, the MC38s, yeah, exactly. and, then down, and then down to the... Down to the uh, optimists or something like that. So you could yeah. talk about you know uh, who's coming out of the class, talk about its history, talk about how to sail the boat fast. It could be anything, um, but you know we actually focus in a bit on a boat rather than a person or a, fl- a, a class of boat, Ooh, um, and that might it, just incentivise people to go to your class. So uh, that's my idea. That's my idea. What do you reckon? I love it. I I like it, Jay. You're on fire, mate. You are. You are on fire. We've got the coffee book, coffee table book. Coffee table book. The The talk talk back show. show. Talk back show. And And the class association representative discussions. Yep. Yes. Yep. So there we go. Love it. Love it. All right. To close out the show, because we've run out of time, we've got a good, good long one here. To close out the show, Nick Bice, you're going to explain the actual mathematics behind 23% serious. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, picture it, 2001. Have we, we should get some little theme songs to go with this. Um, you can probably start playing the music. So 2001 Volvo Ocean Race, myself and my good mate Scott Maley, another boat builder, we would always walk around with a steel roller because quite often you're a little bit dusty. And that's when there were long stoppers. Because of the carbon and stuff. Six weeks somewhere, right? So we'd often go down. I'd be on the port side bunk. He'd be on the starboard side bunk. But we always have a steel roll in our hand. And whenever someone would come down, how much you got over there, Scotty? Yep, 23. <laughs> what do you got over? Yep, 23. So then it just became the rolling joke. We'd always have a steel roller with us. 
And I've if we're just you. stuffing around, it always the answer was 100% of the time, 23. 23. <laughs> there yeah. you go. So that's where the 23 came from. Uh, the insight to the actual uh, outcome. Yeah. Genius. Genius. Well, Jesus. Look busy. Basically pretend to look busy. Keep your job is what you're saying. Create a good reputation. It's a smart plan. You've done well for yourself, boss. Uh, dear. All right. Good well, on you, man. Love you. Yeah. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for everyone Great, listening Eddie. in. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks. Yep. Thank you, Marcus, for your insight. Looking forward to catching up on the goss. All right. Speak next week. Hear, hear. My word. Slide that guitar, guitar, slide that guitar. Do you have one of those things on your finger? <laughs> yeah, bloody hell. Yeah. Multi-talented. <laughs>